The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I went storming into my husband's office. He's reading his Bible. I'm like, I didn't make the list. I didn't make the list. I'm never going to make the list. I'm 55 now. I'm never going to make the list. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? And I began to tell him about the list. And he was like, do, do you know this person that made the list? And I said, no. But that doesn't mean I don't want to be on it. And he was like. Next, author and speaker Lisa Bevere helps us understand that we are without rival in God's eyes. Today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Betty and this is James and we've got Lisa Bevere with us again. Yeah, and she's without rival. <laughs> <laughs> she's written a book titled Without Rival. I love the subheading. Embrace your identity and purpose in an age of confusion and comparison. Boy, do we have an age of confusion. And do we have a lot of foolish measuring yourselves among yourselves, by yourselves, comparing yourselves with one another, and you become what? Void of understanding, void of wisdom. That's what Paul said. And we live in an age of no understanding. And we've got all the comparisons, all the confusion, people self-identifying instead of letting God identify. And no wonder the confusion. But we do have rivals too. And yet we're created without rival. We're unique the way God made us. And Lisa points that out so well. But I'd like you to welcome her back, Lisa Bevere, a wonderful <laughs> author, wonderful teacher. Thank you, James. Thank you. And she has a wonderful husband who is also a teacher and yes. not her rival. <laughs> because she's got you beat, John. Oh, excuse me. There's no He's a better golfer. golfer. He's a better golfer. Yeah. You know, and John, I love you much, a bunch, buddy. I mean, big time. Y'all are an awesome couple. And you know how much we treasure the friendship and pray for you all the time. All right, Lisa, you, uh, you know, some of my staff heard some of the things you wrote and said. Mm -hmm. And they said they thought it was kind of interesting that uh, you had a, a little issue you had to deal with. I, I did have a, about a half an hour of insanity one morning. <laughs> um, you were mentioning kind of the scripture that my husband actually quoted to me about comparing yourself, classifying yourself, and uh, measuring, measuring yourself. Measuring yourself among yourselves, yes. yeah. So, you know, I live in Colorado, and I'd gotten up one morning, and I'm, I was in my fluffy robe and my fluffy slippers <laughs> and my flannel pajamas, and I walked out, <laughs> kissed my boys goodbye. My husband was reading his Bible. And instead of picking up my Bible, I made the mistake of picking up my phone. <laughs> and I began to look at a Twitter feed and it seemed that everybody I knew was part of a list, a list that I'd actually wanted to be on for a really long time. People were saying, thank you so much for putting me on this list. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm going to retweet the list. And I thought, I need, I need to see this list. I must be on this list. So I look at the list. And when your last name starts with B, Something you find out, yes, you find out you <laughs> are not on the list really quick. And so I was like, what? I didn't make the list. And this list was uh, an itemization of the top 100 Christian women speakers. And I was like, I didn't make the list again. I've never made the list. And so now all of a sudden, and again, I will say, little disclaimer, I was perimenopausal. I went storming into my husband's office. He's reading his Bible. I'm like, I didn't 
make the list. I didn't make those. I'm never going to make the list. I'm 55 now. I'm never going to make the list. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? And I began to tell him about the list. And he was like, do, do you know this person that made the list? And I said, no, but that doesn't mean I don't want to be on it. And he was like, Lisa, I feel like you need to read a couple scriptures. And he, he, he cited the one that you quoted and he cited about two other ones. And I said, I'm not going to read those scriptures. I know what they say, but even though I know they're right, this doesn't feel right. This feels really wrong. And so I stormed out and I called Chris Kane and I said, Christine, there's a list that got published today and I'm not on it. And she was like, why am I on the list? I'm like, of course you're on the list. Everybody is on the list except for me. People that translate my, my books into Spanish are on the list. And I said, at the end of the list, there's this little thing where you can add somebody if you feel like maybe they should have been on the list. Now, John had not offered to do that, so I thought maybe Christine would add me <laughs> to the list. But she was like, uh, I'm not adding you to the list. I don't, well, who cares about the list? I'm like, of course you don't care, because you're on the list. <laughs> I am the only one. So then I was like, fine. I was coming to you as a confessor. I know I'm wrong. And so I went back in the house, and I thought, fine, I'll just make my own list. I'll make my own list, and I'm going to put everybody that wasn't on the top 100 on my list. I have more Twitter followers. I'm going to make a list. And and then I thought, no, that, that means I'm going to leave somebody out. And then I started thinking, lists are wrong. Lists are evil. You should never make lists. It makes people's competitors. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, baby girl, if you were on the list, would you be throwing a fit right now? Or would you be retweeting the list? And I was like, I would be posting the list if I was on the list. And he was like, yeah, this isn't right. So I went into my room, I hit my knees. I was like, God, remove all this competition and comparison out of my heart because rivalry is actually robbing the body of Christ of creativity and uniqueness. I went in and apologized to John. I called Christine. She didn't answer the phone, so I had to text her. She was like, you're a crazy person. So I just <laughs> texted her. And then later that day, I was like, I can't believe I had the half an hour of insanity. But later that day, I got an unusual gift. Somebody had invited me to be part of a banquet that I couldn't come to. So they had decided to make plastic dolls of me as a centerpiece. <laughs> Let me just say, it was shot from down low. The picture was I had white jeans on and a black top. It was quite possibly the most unflattering thing I've ever seen in my life. I pull it out of the box. I am a plastic doll. And I'm like, what in the world? And I hear God say, are you happy now? You're a doll. And I'm like, I feel like I am a fake. So I try to throw it away. And John was like, that that was sent to me. You are keeping that. And anytime that happens again, I'm whipping the plastic doll out and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the list here. And so when I, when I decided to write the whole concept of without rival, you know, I am so ridiculous. I can make fun of myself all day long. And so I decided, you know what, we, we need to talk about this because we do live in a culture right now that breeds constant comparison constant classification and constant competition. And those kind of things are unhealthy for all of us. I mean, Paul said, I don't even dare, don't even dare. And he was pretty daring. I don't even dare to compare myself mm. or classify myself mm. or measure myself. And one of the words for classifying is a pigeonhole. And that is a little box where pigeons live and they 
leave their fallout. And I don't think any of us want to live <laughs> in those kind of containers and confinement, but we don't know that that is what we are doing. Paul said that he called all of his accomplishments dung. And actually, a better description is dog doo doo. And so he was like, you know what, I, I'm just moving away from all that. And yet we as a culture, we're tracking dog poop all over the place and we have forgotten how bad it smells. And this mountain that we are climbing is popularity. And sometimes popularity with man means we make ourselves an enemy with God because what man rewards and what God rewards are two different things. So yes, we are people without rival, having a God without rival, entrusted with the word and promises without rival, but rivalries do exist in our life and we'd be foolish to think that they don't. And I really believe that rivals exist to bring out the best in us or to best us. They have done a study and they say the number one thing that causes a person to succeed in life is something called grit. And a rival is the perfect measure of just how gritty you are. Will you cave as soon as you hit resistance? Will you, you know, will you say this isn't fair? Or will you, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And God will use gritty people to do amazing things. I love that you talked about how God uses imperfect people to do perfect things. There is no perfect messenger, but there is a perfect message. Mm -hmm. And we have been people that need to have some strength. We need both grit and we need godly. And so God will get the ungodly kind of iron sharpened iron out of us. You know, we look at David and David was anointed. He was anointed by Samuel, but he was positioned by Goliath. And then he was refined by Saul mm -hmm. because winning and beating a giant does not a king make and mm. getting prophesied over does not a king make. Wow. God said, I know what I need to do to make you the right king. I'm going to give you some rivals. First, he started with seven older brothers. I don't think it's any stretch to say that David had some father issues mm -hmm. because every time we see an interaction with him and Saul in the wilderness, he cries out, my father, my father. Wow. You know, his dad didn't even send for him when Samuel came. Wow. Didn't even send for him. You know, if my Boy. boys, Samuel comes to my house, I'd have Skype. I'd have FaceTime. Everybody would be accounted for and present. But this little boy. His dad didn't even call him in. I don't know if it was easy to overlook him, but somewhere God said, I am going to do something with this young man. You know, mm. Betty and, uh, and James, when I read the Psalms, I don't hear David's words. You know what I hear? I hear his heart. I hear his heart. And God said, I'm going to need a man after my heart. We also see what happened with Moses. Pharaoh was raised up as a rival and God said that he used Pharaoh so that the entire world would know there was a God. And so we want to run away from a rivalry when God's like, I actually need you to let your enemy bring out your best and not your worst. And so many of us, you know, we love to be around with our friends, but I'm going to tell you something. I learn more about myself from my enemies than I do from my friends. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, you know, I enjoy having enemies, 
but my enemies have this ability to refine me, but I can never let them define me because only my creator defines me. So there's rivalries that are going on in our world right now, and we're running, and God's like, no, no, I anoint you in the presence of your enemies. And everybody wants to be more anointed, but they forget where that happens. It happens in hardship. It happens when you're rejected. It happens when you're looking for a father and your father didn't notice you. Those are the kind of dynamics that God will use to build grit in somebody. And gritty people outlast people that just maybe had everything handed to them. I kind of, in my heart, began to lose it a little bit when you talked about this boy yeah. out there with the sheep. You can see it, can't you? He fought the bear and mm -hmm. he fought the lion and mm -hmm. never left the sheep. Mm -hmm. And when he was writing the Psalms, he was loving the sheep. Mm -hmm. And it's the last thing Jesus said, told Christ and I and Simon Peter, the big, boastful, arrogant, tough fisherman who denied him. If you love me, feed my sheep. And here's the least I'm telling you, I just... Listening to you talk, I just, I really do love you, and I love God in you, and I love you and John. I love the, the beauty that just flows out of you. I just say, God, keep the river flowing. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been so joy. Think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching all these coliseums, and everybody's wanting to come hear this preacher. But 25 or 30 years ago, God sent me to the Overlooked. And he said, it needs to be about serving and it needs to be about the sheep and you need to share what I have in others and, and the joy of feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty and noticing the overlooked. And, but more than that too, it's sharing. All of that in, inside of my heart, I feel like is, is wanting the sheep to be blessed. Yeah. And I want to tell you, you just blessed us big time. <laughs> did, did she bless yes. you? Did yeah. you hear the Lord and the Father talk about that? And I just, I just find myself just saying, pour it on. Mercy drops around us are falling, but oh, for the showers we plead. Lord, pour out the form in the latter rains of your grace. I want America to see the glory of God. Yeah. So many people are praying for Jesus to come in glory, and I'm praying for his glory to come on the church. Yeah. For he's coming for a bride adorned in his glory. Yes. I want the church to see him in the bride before he comes for the bride. Yeah. Because I think that's the kind of bride he's coming for. At least I feel like you're, I feel like you're helping us to understand that we have a rival enemy yeah. in all the satanic assault mm -hmm. that we have to put on our armor to, to win, but that we don't compare ourselves. Imagine you made fun of yourself for the foolishness yeah. of that yeah. nonsense and so forth, and that's what it was, and you know that as I well as anybody. <laughs> And thank you, John, high five for kind of help along with that. <laughs> and Christine. But I'm sure, yeah. But here's the thing, just thank you for pouring out Jesus. And thank you for tuning us in and not tuning us out. And through all that you hear, I hope you hear the Lord and the Father. I hope you hear that there's a God that notices what you're doing. And there's a God that notices the fact you feel like nobody's noticed. And he wants you to know how focused on you he is. He wants you to know how much you matter to him, how important you are to his kingdom purpose. But there's no small parts in the body 
These hands, you can see them, they're important, every finger. But the most vital organs are right here. I got a heart that's been beating for 73 years every time it beats. Faithful. Yeah. Faithful. Faithful. Pumping life. Pumping life. I say, thank you, God. I think that's what the body does. If we'll beat with his heart, we'll beat not to somebody's drumbeat, but we'll move according to his heartbeat. And we'll know the most vital organs oftentimes are the ones you don't see. You don't have any idea how vital you are. From God's perspective, many of you who keep life today on the air, who, who make life outreach, water for life, feeding, rescuing those who are trafficked, you make it. That's right. You're the one that extend the hands of Jesus. How shall they preach? How are they going to believe unless they hear? How are they going to hear unless they preach? But how shall they preach unless they're sent? Yeah. The bottom line in the impact of the gospel, more than the preacher, is the one who sins. Yeah. How big are you? No rivals. This book will bless you. Lisa, we're going to offer your book to anybody who will do what you and John have been doing for more than two decades. You've been helping us feed kids. You've been helping us drill water wells. You've been to the mission field. You've been in to rescue the perishing and the trafficked areas. You have risked your life. You've gone where the hidden cameras are. What a blessing you are. And we're going to ask our viewers today to help us feed some kids. And, and I want you to look in and, and I want you to see what really moved us. And it wasn't long after what you see moved us, it moved Lisa and it moved John right there. I want you to watch very closely. With so many opportunities for ministry, why do we feel mission feeding in Africa is important? Well, you've probably seen our reports from the field. We're told that millions face death right now in Southern Africa, where I'm kneeling in the midst of children's graves, fresh dug graves in the distance. We can stop it. You may have heard firsthand from a mother whose child was suffering the debilitating effects of malnutrition. I have no food here. I tried growing maize far away, but the crops failed. My children became sick and died. I had nothing for their hunger. We know it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the needs of those less fortunate. At the end of the day, though, the answer to why we feed children is pretty simple. It's because they're hungry. And when you've seen the consequence of food shortages, giving these children a bowl of food is the difference between death and life. Where you saw me weeping about 25 years ago, there had been just in the last few weeks, 1,200 little children buried. 5,000 and then up to 25,000 before they stopped burying them. We ask you to stop it. You did. 
you stop the cycle of death right there. We went back, Betty, and went into a church and also had a school and the little children were so happy they were singing. And I remember a little short pastor, the little guy. We were so happy, the kids were happy and uh, he was speaking through an interpreter, but I could tell he was talking to Peter. He looked concerned. And when we got in the truck, Peter said, you know what the pastor wanted to know? He said, you saved their lives and you're happy. You're not going to come back anymore because now they're in school, but we don't have anything to feed them. Right now they're eating at school because we're still feeding your food here. And then, Betty, we found out that we could feed at schools. And you may not know this, but it impacted the World Food Program to where they learned of school feeding worldwide. It impacted the UN. It impacted the one who was put over the World Food Bank. I remember President Bush called me and said, I got a brother over the World Food Bank. He's a Democrat from Ohio. His name's Tony Hall, but he's over the World Food Bank now. He's moving to Italy. And he said he's, he's a brother. And boy, he did a great job, Betty, helping love kids. Did it in schools. He said, we've learned. Well, you learn from missionaries. And here's what I'll ask you to do right now. We got a severe drought that's threatening hundreds of thousands of children. We've already organized them, and we're asking for your help. I mean, I need some, I really need a huge outpouring of love. We want to feed these hundreds of thousands that are facing death. We want to continue to maintain the malnutrition clinics, but here's what we have discovered. Because as we stabilize, we now if we can feed at the schools, we just increase the attendance almost indescribably. And they'll go. And they'll keep going. And so we can, we're asking people to sponsor schools. You can sponsor one for a whole year for $5,600. You can for the next few months for $1,400. So I want to ask many of you to say, okay, we'll help you with those schools. You've got these kids stabilized. Let's train their little minds. They can think they're healthy. And then for the hundreds of thousands of others to be fed in these areas of tremendous need, remember this because this is simply the truth. Thirty, fifty, a hundred dollars will enable us to feed three, five, or ten children for the next several months. Thirty for three, fifty for five, a hundred for ten. Could you help us with ten? If you've never had the joy of saving lives and now feeding little minds, showing them the love of God, this is your chance. If you helped us before, would you right now step up, even make another gift or a special gift? And if you've never helped, could you help 10? And don't say three. It's not important, real important to those mothers, those kids. No gift too small, none too large. You're given the greatest gift, you're given life. We have some gifts to send you to bless you in your journey because we want to feed the sheep. We want to bless the sheep. You're the sheep of his pasture. We want to bless you as you share his life. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much. In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of Life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. 
This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children. And $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget, your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children. And you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Life Outreach is feeding hundreds of thousands of children every single day. It's made possible because of your ongoing giving. The truth is we can't walk away from that. We can't stop giving because in just a matter of weeks, these children could be in this condition. That's how fragile their bodies are. That's how great the need is to continue feeding them. Just go to the phones. Call the number that you see on your screen right now. If you feel like you don't have much to give, I'm telling you now, it's enough. It's enough. And we will do great big things with it, and God will expand it. Go right now to your phones or go online. Make that change today. Thank you. Thank you. Feed my sheep. You're watching. He's watching you. Without rival, if you help us feed these kids, make a gift, you say, would you send us Lisa's book? Yes, we will. And you'll know you're without rival. And I want all of you here to say a great thanks to Lisa Revere. Her availability to God, thank you for opening up about your journey, Lisa. We love you. You did great. Thank you, thank you so much for sharing life. God bless you. It'll be matched by the $400,000 matching gift. Please make it. Concerned about your family being ill-equipped to manage resources when you pass away? Do you want to leave a legacy gift that impacts the lives of others? 
As a free service to our friends and partners, Life Planning Services, a ministry of Life Outreach International, is here to help with your estate planning needs and chart your financial future. Do not put off this important step to protect your loved ones and leave a lasting legacy. Contact Life Planning Services today. Tomorrow, Sheila Walsh explores our deep-rooted longing for God alone. We know nothing else will do. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.